Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe, your safe place to talk about anything paranormal, strange, UFO, UAP, if you're fancy. Um, I want to first, before we get to our amazing guest tonight, I want to give a shout out and a thank you to everybody in the chat. Uh, Logan, Curious George, and anybody else that might pop up later that might be listening live, it recorded. I really appreciate you and your support. If you're listening on Anomalous Podcast Network, thank you so much as well. And uh, let me see, but please like, sub, share. All everybody's info is in the description, including Mr. Uh, Salas's website, his social media, and his books. So if you want to look at any of those, uh, please do. And without any more, since my our microphones are being wild, um, I would like to introduce, if you don't know already, Mr. Robert Salas. Mr. Salas, do you go by Mr. Salas? Do you like Bob? What, what do you like to be called? Yeah, Bob is good. Bob is Bob, good. I like it. I like it. But I didn't want to be too informal the first time meeting somebody. You know, we're, I'm a military wife, so I address everybody with Mr. or Miss initially until they tell me otherwise. First of all, thank you for your service and your continued service when it comes to the disclosure movement and your passion for the subject, uh, getting all the information out there, documenting everything that you can and writing amazing books as well. So for people that might be new to the community, can you please introduce yourself and, you know, kind of how you got to being a big advocate for ending secrecy? Okay. Uh, yeah, I uh, was um, in the Air Force from uh, active duty from 1964 to 1971 and uh, 66, I was assigned uh, and trained to be a missile launch officer and uh, assigned to Malmstrom Air Force Base, Montana. Um, and, uh, and that's where my incident occurred in March 24th, 1967. Uh, the incident, uh, I'm just briefly, I, um, was in charge of the launch control facility at, uh, what we call an Oscar flight, uh, when a guard, um, uh, after a second phone call, the first phone call, he said the, uh, there were lights in the sky above the facility, making strange maneuvers, not airplanes. Um, and uh, I kind of dismissed that, that. But the second call, about five minutes later, he was uh, very excited, uh, uh, actually uh, fearful, very afraid. Uh, he was screaming into the phone. He was had all the guards out, and this object uh, was a orange-red reddish uh, pulsating object about 40 feet long um hovering above the front gate and um wanted me to tell him what to do he had all the guards out uh, with their weapons drawn and uh i simply uh I, at that point I, I i took it very seriously and told him to make sure uh, nothing enters these fenced area uh and then i went as i went to tell my commander about it the the all the missiles started shutting down while this object was still up there. So that's the basic story. Um, a lot more to it, of course, and I'd be happy to answer any of your questions about it. Um, but then I was sworn to secrecy. We were both sworn to secrecy, uh, never to talk about it. Uh, I had to sign a non-disclosure statement. We did not. I did not speak about it for another 27 years, and it was only by um, 
and this is another story, a long kind of a long story, but I was able to come forward in 1994 uh, when I saw the story uh, of the Malmstrom shutdown, uh, which turned out to be a, another flight of missiles, um, not mine, but I thought it was mine. Uh, and that's when I started speaking openly about it uh, on television, uh, newspaper reports. Um, and so um, uh, under the Freedom of Information Act, requested documents uh, and uh, the Air Force declassified the one incident called the Echo Flight Incident, which happened uh, about a week earlier, March 16th. And so within the span of uh, eight days, we lost 20 nuclear missiles to UFOs. Uh, and I've documented this pretty well. I think it's uh, a solid case uh, with witnesses and documents. I've been speaking about it um, since. Uh, so for over 25 or 26 years, I've been speaking all over the world. Uh, about 15 countries all over the U.S., um, and most recently, uh, Roswell. <laughs> so that's kind of a summary. Yes, absolutely. And I thought it was um, well, it was pretty cool that you saw it in uh, Timothy Good's book, right? You're like, yes. I have to speak out because the I after I remember reading about it in the book, but I had already read uh, Faded Giant. Your I remember reading your first book. So like, I was like, that's because I read his book after, after I read yours. So mm -hmm. uh, when you mentioned it in one year and a few of your presentations, which are on your YouTube channel, which I have linked below, if people want like, like all the presentations and um, in depth, um, you did like a great 50 year anniversary breakdown when you showed pictures, you, it was like a presentation you did showed pictures of the documents and all that good stuff. So um it's no. he does not miss anything guys this documentation that he's been doing he's been working on and you were very careful right before you spoke to have some sort of tangible thing to present to people yeah i i want to make sure um it's just not me talking uh um, of course my commander uh before when i wrote the book i had just contacted my commander in the in the capsule fred mywald um and he was the one that told me it was an Oscar instead of Echo. Um, and so in the first book, uh, Faded Giant, there's a little bit of, of uh, discrepancy, I, I guess, at, in one of the paragraphs. But in the second book, of course, I correct it all. Um, uh, and I had to go through a, a lot to uh, contact these people, number one, and then, and then try to recall all the details. So that was a whole process. Took a couple of years, mm -hmm. really. Um, uh, but we've, like I said, I think we've got a pretty solid story. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, my story hasn't changed in all that time, as far as I know. No, not, no. And you, and when you have found something that you, um, like the dates, for example, or the Oscar, Oscar and Echo um, 
mix up with the dates. Uh, you you corrected that. So you've come forward when you've been like, oops, you know, I might have said that wrong or I might have recorded that incorrectly. So that's also hard for people to do. And that just adds to the credibility of the story and yourself, in my opinion. So you lost. So 20 missiles went down. That's right. 20 within the span of eight days. Span uh, of eight days. And all, uh, all 20 uh, uh, were disabled for the same reason. It was uh, a guidance and control system failure. And again, uh, there was no damage to any of the missiles. Um, it was simply an upset of what we call the uh, inertial guidance system. There's, um, uh, well, without getting too technical, there's a, a stable platform that's required for an inertial guidance system. Uh, uh, certain equipment has to be oriented. And, uh, and so these objects knew uh, how the systems operated in great detail. They were able to send a signal through 60 feet of earth and concrete and and penetrate uh, triply shielded against uh, electromagnetic interference uh, cabling system and and go to each missile separately within seconds of each other and just upset this so-called stable platform for the inertial guidance system and that's what shut the missiles down uh, the missiles were brought up back up on alert within uh, 24 hours so uh, just want to make that point absolutely and what were your thoughts and that was actually somebody's question um how you know how how many what was the distance or what was the time difference between them going down and did they go back on so you just answered that but did you um what were your thoughts when that started happening because here we have this powerful weapon you know um that kills and just you know that the leaves all this aftermath in the whole planet what were your thoughts when you realized that the shutdown had been linked to uh the lights that people are seeing and the ufos people were seeing uh, i'll tell you it was a shock it was really a shock um i thought at first that we were under some sort of an attack uh later of course when there was no damage to the equipment. There were no injuries per se from the uh, UFOs, uh, other than it scared the hell out of everybody mm -hmm. upstairs. Uh, uh, I started thinking about why, you know, why would any anything want to do this? And uh, but of course, by that time, uh, I couldn't speak about it. So um, over the years. Um, I think it was just a message and the message was obviously get rid of your nuclear weapons and, and very quickly I came to the conclusion that these were not um, uh, manufactured on earth uh, but again I was sworn to secrecy and I really couldn't talk about it to anybody and so I made a concerted effort to try to forget the incident because uh, I was under this non-disclosure act a non-disclosure statement which was pretty severe um as i recall the uh, the words leavenworth prison 30 years and Leavenworth oh. were <laughs> not worth it right um yeah that's the kind of thing that kind of uh, makes you think twice yeah yeah that that that's they definitely get you with that because i can a lot of people that come out and want to speak about this cannot just blatantly say 
what they saw or what they know because they fear um, imprisonment or even like uh, just disc being discredited, losing security clearances, which we've seen. Um, were, did anybody harass you after you started talking about that um, publicly? Um, no, I can't. Well, I can point to some minor incidents where uh, there were some, uh, let's say, very aggressive people approached me after I spoke. But uh, other than that, there was no real harassment. And uh, the reason was, I think, uh, I have not been harassed by the government is because, like I say, I had, by the time I started speaking, I had documents from the Air Force and I had the testimony of many witnesses uh, supporting uh, what I was saying. So if the, uh, let's say the Air Force came after me for speaking out uh, and wanted to prosecute me, uh, uh, they would have to fight those facts in court. And uh, I don't think they wanted to do that. And they still don't want to do it. We still have not heard any word from the Air Force about these incidents. Which is unfortunate because people are finding more and more that the um, people are able to search on internet databases. And the more people are entering old archives like newspapers into internet databases, people are finding more incidents revolving around nuclear weapons. Like uh, somebody in the chat said, and um, what did he, let me find it, that he said on October 20, third of 2010 50 missiles went down and offline in wyoming and i'm not sure uh logan who's is who said that in the chat but if there was any ufo sightings within that time that would be very interesting but um, yeah well that is um that incident that he talks about has some validity and uh, in fact um, there were witnesses that saw um, a blimp-like object near the base at the time uh, and yeah, there have been many other incidents. Uh, uh, in 1966, um, at Minot Air Force Base, uh, again, uh, all 10 missiles went down during a UFO event. Uh, Dave Shindelli, uh, uh, one of the gentlemen that spoke at the National Press Club with me in uh, October of last year, um, uh, was a witness to that. Uh, so. And there have been many other sightings over missile bases uh, where uh, UFOs disrupted communications uh, were observed by uh, security guards and others. Uh, in my second book, I go into about 13 other cases uh, that are very similar to mine. Absolutely, that's a great book. And again, I have the, I have your YouTube link in the description and you can watch the press conference um, in detail. And if you are interested in like the tiniest details, watch that and then buy the book or do both because um, there's like the amount of detail and effort that you put into relaying how you uh, got all this information is, I like I liked the YouTube that you made, um, the 50th anniversary and the press club because you played audio. So if you're like a visual or audio learner, it's very cool to hear you talking to some of your old comrades about, and even commanders that are, that, and people that you worked with, with like, you know, about the incident years later. And it's a miracle that you tracked some of them down, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was just a lot of hard work. Um, 
I, I owe a lot to, uh, well, friends of mine and also uh, James Klotz, who was my chief investigator, uh, uh, very strong, strong uh, investigator. And uh, uh, so I've had help and um, I appreciate it all. Uh, but we've got the story out there now, and uh, I'm just waiting to uh, present it to, to Congress one yes. of these days, hopefully. Well, that's going to make me skip ahead because uh, was it Gallagher actually brought up Malmstrom in the light in the latest and the, the last Senate hearing, correct? That's correct. Yeah, that was very we were not expecting that we were watching live and I thought that he was a beast. He wants information. You know, he was just like, you haven't heard of Malmstrom. You know, like, have you done your research? And these guys just look at each other. Um, they're supposed to be running this new office, right? And they're just like, oh, like, or they're they're really good at playing dumb, one of the two. But yes, I thought that was very cool um, that he was so bold. And I felt like after he took a step out, the following questions from the following representatives got a little more bold. But I think that they need to get more people. And hopefully later on down the line, they get you on there and other people that are willing to speak out, um, other people leading the charge, so to speak. Um, this kind of like goes into my next question. I just lost your audio. Again? Uh, Priscilla? Yes. I just lost your audio for some reason. Okay. Can you guys hear me in the chat? Um, I didn't touch anything. <laughs> All right. Somebody give me like a thumbs up if you can hear me in the chat. Uh, let's see if we can... Okay. Please bear with me. Uh, I'm sending him a message saying, audience can hear us both. Okay, I can hear you now. Oh, okay. Okay, okay that's good. All right. Awesome. I was the audience was able to hear us both the whole time. So I was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, but yes. So back to that. What do you think of the I'm skipping ahead one of my questions or one of my talking points. But what are your thoughts on the UFO disclosure in the United States versus around the world? Like you were just in Brazil. You made an amazing um, presentation there that you can get um, the notes to translate it. It translates on YouTube if you guys want to watch it. But um, what are your thoughts on that? And are they giving us anything or does it go back to um, a zero sum game as you mentioned in your book? Um, but before you answer that, can you explain what a zero sum game is to people that might not be familiar? Okay, a zero sum game uh, is a game played, let's say between two people or two uh, groups. Uh, let's say they're playing for a hundred chips or uh, a definite amount of winnings, let's say, of, of some sort. Uh, there's only a specific number uh, that you can win. Uh, the game, uh, so if, let's say, for example, uh, I win 20 chips, and there are 100 chips in the game, uh, the opponent would have 80 chips, right? And so um, uh, the object, of course, is to win all the chips. Uh, person or individual that wins all the chips, all 100, will, wins the game. Uh, so in a zero-sum game, 
the uh, uh, the sum needed uh, is always zero uh, because uh, the other person needs my 20 chips. I need his 80 chips and uh, and the sum will always be zero. That's just uh, a brief thing about it, but a brief description, but it just means that um, um, whoever whoever holds uh, an advantage uh, in the in the chip count uh, um, ha has a better chance of, of winning the entire game. So right now, what I think we've got is we're dealing with a uh, international UFO cabal, meaning uh, I think there's an international group um, uh, composed of individuals, probably mostly from intel agencies in different countries. Um, but I think this cabal is run by the U.S. because we, we got involved in the game pretty early, uh, the U.S. did. Uh, but I know the U.S., for example, uh, has sent um representatives to let's say brazil uh during the Varginha case i don't know if you're familiar with that one uh if you're not you will be as soon as james fox as soon as james fox uh uh mm, chose his movie yes uh, i'm familiar but maybe we can talk about it um, a little bit after you go um, answer this question well in that uh, instance in that case the u.s did send representatives um to brazil and actually retrieved uh, as far as i know retrieved the uh, the body of the entity uh so i know there's a cooperative cooperation of sorts going on between countries uh and i call it the international ufo cabal um, and so right now in the u.s and this kind of ties into the question of um, uh, how disclosure is going or what's going on with disclosure in the U.S. Um, even though uh, there are now um, requirements for the uh, this new office uh, that is studying the question uh, for the government, the DOD, the uh, defense intelligence agencies or whatever, um, there's a new office and there are certain requirements, reporting requirements, there are certain requirements for them to do um, as far as uh, investigations, getting data, collating data, reporting to Congress, reporting to the public. There is still this highly secretive group within our government um, that's going to do everything they can to withhold the information. Uh, they've got their reasons for doing that. I won't go into too much detail there. Uh, uh, there's three basic reasons they're keeping the secrets. One is greed. Uh, mm -hmm. Another one is power. And another one is um, uh, dealing with other governments uh, in a clandestine way. Uh, exchanging secrets. Um, but anyway, we're in this battle. We're in this zero-sum game with this cabal. I, th I would like 
the public to understand that, to realize that uh, this is not going to be easy. Getting disclosure is not going to be easy because uh, this cabal is dead set on maintaining the secrecy uh, for their own reasons. Uh, so it's going to be a fight, and we're fighting tooth and nail to win this game. And it, it's a zero-sum game because it, we either win it or we lose it. Uh, uh, we continue the um, to allow uh, this cabal to maintain secrecy on this subject and uh, and tell the public very little. Um, but, of course, in a democracy in a democratic world the public deserves to know what their government is doing especially uh something uh as important as this absolutely so many people's lives have been affected um we we understand i think the public understands that we have to focus on pilots and um people that are you know um have like you know stature or degrees or you know um credibility, I guess. But th there's also a big part of the public that are normal citizens like like myself that have had experiences and seen things at a very young age that we can't really rationalize in our mind. And you and a lot of people have kind of felt like they're going crazy because of it. Um, when you're taught that it's only sci-fi, um, God doesn't say that in the Bible, or this belief says this, but not this. Um, it's very confusing to grow up when everything that you've learned goes against what you've seen in the sky or experienced, especially around nuclear missiles or in a fighter jet. I can't imagine being up there and facing that in the sky. Do you know what I mean? That, that is terrifying to not know the enemy. Uh, well, yeah. And uh, uh, more to the point, I think, is has the um, government, uh, agencies of the government, especially military agencies, already decided that these are enemies, uh, that they're okay. foes, and uh, are they developing weaponry to uh, to fight them? Um, uh, that sort of thing is the uh, kind of thing that the public should know about and, and, and be involved in making that decision as to whether they're friend or foe. Um, uh, for Pete's sake, if these uh, are indeed, as I'm convinced they are, um, entities from other worlds, not from Earth, uh, and that's an easy thing to calculate. Uh, we we don't have anything that could fly like these things do. Um, there's no way these can be produced on Earth. Uh, they've got to be off Earth. Therefore, there's civilizations out there that are visiting us. Are we going to treat them all uh, as enemies? Uh, is that what the hum human civilization wants to project to those visiting uh, peoples of other civilizations off Earth? Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. And not, not certainly without, not without um, uh, hard evidence and uh, and uh, analysis. So uh, the government really owes it to the public to release this information, and so that we can all make this decision uh, together. Absolutely, especially um, we feel so helpless as citizens a lot of the times 
at wars that are started, you know, and we saw that time after time in um, the history of the world that people are starting wars that the rest of us and civilians haven't really had a say on, you know, um, we're sending people we love out there to fight, you know, and we don't even know why half the time we didn't even have a choice in sending them. So this is definitely um, we don't want to start an intergalactic war, especially if we don't even understand the science behind it. Uh, do you think that the people studying these materials, the UFO cabal or people involved in studying these uh, materials collected and possibly bodies collected, do you think they understand any of it or do you think they're just as confused as the rest of us? Well, what I, I'm certain of is they've been studying it for since at least the Roswell incidents uh, because they did collect bodies and uh, craft and they have been studying it uh, since then. And uh, there have been many other craft recovered since other bodies. Now, how much they've learned, uh, hard to say. That's why uh, we need disclosure. We need to find out exactly what they know, what by they, of course, it's, I'm talking about the cabal. Uh, what do they know about this? What do other countries know about this? Um, and, and that's what we all have to fight for. So uh, again, uh, there's science that's been uh, looked at. There, there has been biologies that have been looked at. Uh, there are uh, possible new theories on, uh, let's say, uh, the manipulation of gravity that has been looked at, energy sources, there's a myriad of things that have been reviewed by our our, uh, our best and brightest in in, in government in secrecy, and uh, uh, we have a right to know uh, just what they've discovered. Absolutely. And what was the mood like when you were in Brazil with their government? Um, as you mentioned, there might be people, and there probably is people or there is people in governments controlling the narrative and the information outgoing. But how was the mood in Brazil with, you know, their government and the people there? Did you find them more accepting and open with different types of cases? Well, certainly uh, Senator Eduardo Giral uh, is the man uh, that initiated this um, particular special session of the Brazilian Senate uh, he's very motivated to um, um, get the stories out, uh, especially the Brazilian stories. He invited me uh, specifically, and uh, uh, he invited Gary Hesseltine um, yes. from the UK. Uh, and I would say he's going to stick with it until he gets uh, more support from his colleagues. Uh, they're going through a similar process as far as uh, 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 voting goes. They're, they're, they've got another election coming up uh, in October. And uh, so a lot of the politicians don't want to touch the subject. Uh, in our case, of course, we've got one in November. And uh, so I don't think uh, our politicians are going to get uh, too involved in this subject until after the elections. Right. But, but uh, this subject is now not going to go away. Uh, there's no. too much water under the bridge now as far as uh, 
recognition, official recognition by our own government that these objects are real. They're not imaginary. Uh, and people want to know more about it. So uh, I'm convinced uh, we're, at, we're in a better place now than we were a year ago. Uh, and uh, there will be uh, much more activity, I think, once these November elections are over with. Yes, absolutely. Because people are kind of afraid to like rock the boat right now um, before the elections. But Elena brings up a great question. Hello, Elena. Thanks for showing up. And I appreciate you. Um, she's always here supporting. So she says, what do we do, Robert? So what are we supposed to do? You know, how do we fight this? Um, what do you suggest that the general public in any country or in our own country begin the conversation and uh, start the fight to press their governments? to right. give us, you know, what we want to hear or what give us the secrets or, you know, not well, all the secrets, obviously, but just, but just what is going on in general would be nice. Yeah. Uh, well, the public can get involved. Uh, any individual can do their homework, um, support, uh, let's say substantial cases that have backing with, uh, again, uh, documents and witnesses and uh send letters uh, i hate to say it but it works at times <laughs> send letters to your congressman um stay involved in the subject uh talk about it uh, uh to other people and other individuals in government if you can um uh let's just keep pressing the congress to have open hearings i think the key to uh, disclosure would, would be open hearings, uh, similar to the uh, January 6th hearings that you're seeing now, but um, on specifically the unidentified aerial phenomenon. Uh, if we can get real witnesses in front of the Congress and in front of the American people on national television, uh, I think that'll go a long way uh, to uh insisting on more information from our agencies absolutely and we have a couple of really great people on twitter that have been organizing um like everybody call at this time on the same day we've got um luis jimenez doing the big phone home where everybody calls and writes and tweets the same day um shout out to katie today she just did one everybody called at a certain time wrote, um, or was it yesterday, sorry. Um, but she said, at this time, everybody tweet, call, write, email, whatever you can do to get through. And people were on it. So I guess we need to keep doing that and keep talking about it. And you mentioned, keep, you know, focus on the cases that have uh, good documentation or, you know, more witnesses. Uh, off the top of your head, what are the few, what are a few of the most uh, compelling cases besides Malmstrom, of course, um, that people should be focusing on? Oh, there are quite a few. Um, uh, like I said, I've, I've listed uh, 13. People can select from many of those because um, uh, all of those have supporting documentation or other witnesses. Uh, uh, we've got affidavits from a lot of those witnesses. Uh, there, there's a case in... Um, uh, the Netherlands, uh, called the um, Schosterberg case, uh, 1979, 
where a UFO flew over the flight line of Schusterberg Air Base in the Netherlands. Um, and it was seen by 12 um, uh, both Air Force and Dutch Air Force uh, witnesses. Uh, the Rendlesham case is still a very good case, although uh, many of the witnesses were, were drugged in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but still, the uh, the basic facts that over three nights, UFOs were seen by many, many witnesses. Uh, the Rendlesham case, the, uh, the Roswell case is excellent. Over 300 witnesses, uh, uh, well documented in, in a couple of books. Um, um, uh, so, uh, uh, well, that's, that's just a few... Um, uh, there are others, again, uh, if, if you go to my, the, the one book uh, I just wrote uh, in 2013, um, and uh, you'll see others there. Yes, it's a great book, guys. I have the link, the, the Amazon link below, and then so you can just go right to it and order it like right now because you need it. <laughs> um, I had to get it on Kindle a while ago because um, we're getting ready to move states. You know, the army moves you around, military moves you around. So we're getting ready to do that. My husband's like, more books keep showing up and they're going to come move our stuff. And so, so I've been hoarding them on Kindle, like secretly, unless he's watching this, then I don't have any books. Um, but yes, uh, the, you do go through a lot, but I just wanted to kind of, you know, poke some people's interest if they're listening um, and just curious. Uh, let's see. I'm going to see if there's any other questions here um, that people. Um, but before I get to that, is there anything in the community that you wish would be addressed by either citizens and you've kind of spoken about the government side of it but is there anything that people are not talking about that they should be talking about more are we focusing on anything that's not helping the cause or you know are there things that we should be focusing on more focusing on more well um you know i i i I think uh, when uh, Senator Gillibrand uh, got the amendment done on the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, that was kind of a, a watershed moment because it codified the requirements of, of this new office on UAP um, that they had to they had to accomplish, um, and there's a whole list of things that they need to accomplish. Uh, and so the public can focus on that. They can focus on the things that are required now of agencies to work together to um, write reports. Uh, by the way, the next report is due out in October. Um, so it's something that the public can focus on. Part of that report will be public. Um, you can ask senators like Gillibrand and Warner and uh, Marco Rubio from Florida, who are very much interested in the subject to, um, to respond and answer to those requirements. So that's one of the things I think the public can focus on. Uh, and of course, um, uh, Support the efforts of uh, Senator, I mean Congressman Gallagher and uh, 
let's see, the other congressman from Arizona, uh, Gallegos, uh, who is now, who are now uh, jointly, and, and these are, one is Republican, one is Democrat, uh, uh, but they've got a uh, an amendment now pending to allow whistleblowers to come forward and discuss UFOs. So you can support them in that effort. Uh, again, uh, write to your congressman and uh, say you support that that bill. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I would just recommend everybody stay involved. This is real. It's not going to go away. Um, and let's just work together and try to find a way to to keep putting pressure on Congress to have open hearings. That's that's a great suggestion. And we can see that Congress is having bipartisan support. Um, we need to bipartisan each other because there's so much division in our own community with people that want disclosure. And some people will argue like, well, I didn't need disclosure because I already saw some in the sky or, you know, but this isn't we have to think about future generations as well. Um, we might not even see it in our lifetime, you know, um, the full disclosure that we're looking for. But we have to start laying, you know, the papers for future generations to to have this. So at least somebody has the truth at some point and hopefully soon. Um, George asks is when when will this be a global discussion? I think that it's personally, I think it's starting um, to be global. What is what is your opinion on that? Right. Um, uh... <sighs> I'm trying to think of his name now. Uh, the uh, Gary Hazeltine from the UK is part of a group called ICER, I-S-E-R. Mm -hmm. And uh, their effort right now is trying to get uh, the United Nations to actually vote to have a, an ongoing office uh, discussing the, the UAP. Uh, they think they've got one nation now. Uh, it's called San Marino. It's a part of Italy, but it's actually an independent republic uh, and an independent nation of the United Nations. Uh, if, uh, if they present this proposal to the UN, they need a second. And so right now they're working, I think, on Liechtenstein. And if they can get a second uh, to propose this, then it will be a worldwide discussion uh, because then there will be uh, UN involvement. Uh, member nations of the General Assembly will be involved uh, in a very formal way uh, to bring this subject uh, to the fore. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will bear fruit and hopefully that'll happen soon. Yes, absolutely. And San Marino was covered uh, in depth by Max Moscovich's channel and he's also has a great interview for with some of the people involved in the Sosterberg case too. So I'll put that link below mm -hmm. to that um, because he did coverage with Lou Elizondo last year and San Marino and did a big thing with Vinny Adams from UIP Media UK and Disclosure Team on um, the San Marino stuff and Sosterberg stuff. So make sure you look into that too, guys. Um, and then I have a couple questions. We are coming up on, you know, 45 minutes. I know we said we would keep it to an hour. So um, somebody asked, well, Robert, be able to testify to Congress. So do they have to ask you to do that or can you kind of, or can people petition for that to happen? Well, uh, I'm still waiting for the call. I, I have to be asked, of course, um, I'm not gonna just knock on their door. <laughs> Although I've offered, I've offered to give any Congressman a uh, full briefing on my case. Um, 
at any time and that offer still goes i'll even fly on my own dime and uh you know pay my own way and uh, just to give them a briefing i i have briefed my own congresswoman uh uh on this many times uh but um congress has to take the initiative and decide this is what's needed and that what's needed is to hear from actual witnesses not the establishment not the military establishment who has been really hiding this uh for over 70 years uh once they realize that uh, they're going to get the best information from actual witnesses uh, uh, that'll, like I say, um, uh, be a big moment. It'll open the door to a, a lot of new information. And uh, uh, so I'm hopeful that this will happen. I, I know that there are some congressmen, I, I have spoken to their staffs, a few of them um, that are interested in doing this. Uh, so it's just a matter of um, will, <laughs> will, and uh, getting politics out of the sub, uh, out of the equation, and uh, I think it'll happen. Uh, like I say, probably sometime next year. That would be great. And um, it's kind of you're right. Why are we going back into the wolf's den? You know what I mean? Is it to kind of just be like, okay, well, we asked them, and obviously we're not getting what we need for them or what we would like from them. So now we need to bring in actual witnesses. Um, even all the pilots and people involved in the Nimitz encounters, that is such, that's another case that has so much information uh, documented. And I think that they need to be talked to, you need to be talked to, and they need to stop messing with those guys that are not telling us anything and playing dumb and like, oh, I don't know, or maybe they really don't know, who knows. Um, Elena has another great question, and then I will close after this one. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get to everybody's questions, but um, this brings me kind of like to my last question. In your book, you mentioned and in, in, in your presentations, you mentioned that there is a sort of cosmic message. Now, people hear a cosmic message, they automatically think, oh, that's blue, but it's really not. Um, and this kind of ties into that. So uh, Elena asked, does Robert think it'd be possible that the message is also that the nukes are a problem because it's threatening interdimensional life? Yeah, well, um... Um, having nuclear war obviously would destroy most living things on planet Earth. We don't know what impact it would have on, um, uh, let's say, the, uh, the cosmos that's near Earth uh, or, uh, uh, you know, th this is a difficult question because it involves uh, questions of whether or not uh, Earth is an, a living entity uh, and how that fits in with, let's say, other life forms, uh, even within our own planetary system. We still haven't uh, fully investigated a place like Titan. Titan is mm -hmm. a moon of Pluto. I'm sorry, not Pluto, Jupiter. <laughs> Titan is a moon of Jupiter and uh also venus shows signs of having life uh uh, uh having a, a nuclear war on earth uh of course would be disastrous to so many life forms uh um and we just don't realize uh, what damage it would do 
to those life forms, both physically and spiritually. Um, uh, I do think there's a spiritual component to, um, to life and of course death, but, um, um, so what I do know for sure is that ET or the extraterrestrial beings are very, very much interested in seeing that we abolish our nuclear weapons, um, because they are concerned, uh, rightly so, that we could indeed have a nuclear war. I, this is the other thing I'd like the public to understand is uh, we cannot assume that we won't have a nuclear war. Um, uh, there have been very serious threats by Russia recently. Uh, the use of tactical nuclear weapons, uh, threats by North Korea, of course, uh, new threats that will be coming from Iran since they, we still don't have an agreement with them on uh, their nuclear program. And if Iran gets a nuclear weapon, uh, maybe Saudi Arabia will decide to have a nuclear weapon. And, and there we go. We'll have more and more nukes on the planet and the possibility of war will just increase. Um, there, uh, it's a very serious situation. Uh, I can't emphasize enough that we need to make uh, serious efforts to get it, uh, getting rid of all our nuclear weapons. Uh, um, anyway. No, that's great. That was uh, kind of my closing question is that's the cosmic message, right? Stop messing yeah. around with things that can kill everybody and our planet and yeah, maybe and, them, them too. And maybe them. It, it may affect them in some way that we, we just don't understand at this point yeah we don't even understand how um the testing these bombs and um you know unfortunately us using them on other nations have affected us long term because it really hasn't been that long when you think about nuclear decay so we don't even know how it's affecting us let alone the universe and if there's you know parallel worlds with us we just don't know um right. do you have any closing thoughts or anything you you pretty much said a lot of cool things right now that people need to focus on, but is there anything else you would like to address before we close the show? Uh, I can't think of anything uh, specific. Um, I think uh, the public should be more heartened that, like I said, we are making um, inroads in opening this discussion up. Uh, we do have uh, uh, we, we do have now requirements written down in, in documents stating what agencies should do and working together and getting to the bottom of this UAP. And very quickly, uh, the general public of the world, the world civilizations, they're going to realize that we are indeed being visited by extraterrestrial entities. Um, I think that's going to happen. So uh i guess let's all be prepared for that that's that's going Brace to happen. yourselves yes i agree i agree and i know a lot of people that do as well let's end this zero-sum game guys by fighting back and claiming 
our win um, for our generation, generations past, and generations of the future. Um, Mr. Salas, please hang out momentarily afterwards so I could thank you after the show ends. Thank you to anybody listening now, later, uh, on Anomalous Podcast Network in another dimension. Please check out the description. I have all of Mr. Salas's websites on there links to his books, links to his YouTube, which has a ton of information um, if you want to just listen to it. And uh, have a great night, everybody.